Amén. Well, it's good to be here with y'all for sure. And I do bring greetings from Clear Creek Baptist Bible College over in Pineville. And uh, just excited to be here and just feel welcomed already. And So if you want to take your copy of God's Word, open up to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. While you're turning there, you know, we just sang about it, but sometimes life really is difficult, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you really do have those moments where where you have that I'm down in the valley experience and, and you're looking around at your life and you're thinking, wow, I don't know how everything went this badly, but Lord, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing, Lord? Sometimes it's even harder because you get to that spot where life is hard and difficult, maybe because you've been seeking to follow the Lord. Maybe you've taken some stand uh, for the truth of God's word, or you've tried to be faithful and follow his leading and calling or direction. And you go down that path a little while, and you look, and you're like, this isn't what I thought it would be. Lord, this isn't exactly what I thought I was signing up for. God, is, is this really your yeah. plan? Yeah, because when it more. feels so difficult, when it feels so hard, you think, can this really be God's will? Right. How do you respond in those times? How do you respond in those times where everything just seems to be pressuring you and everything seems so difficult? And when you're at the lowest of the low in the valley, how do you respond? Sometimes I think if we're honest, we respond with self-pity, don't we? We, we start to get down and say, well, I, I don't deserve this, God. I, I, I shouldn't be going through this right now, God. Sometimes we respond in anger if we're honest. Right? We wouldn't say that to others maybe. But Lord, ah, this isn't right. I don't want this. And we get angry even at the Lord. Have you ever stopped and wondered, how should a Christian respond during those times? How should I, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, respond in these situations? Well, what we're going to see in our text today is, is Paul gives us a model about how we should respond. So if, if you're there in the book of Philippians, we are going to start in verse 12. And uh, would you all stand as we read God's word? Hear the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Would you pray with me? God, we ask now that the same Holy Spirit that inspired these words would come and meet with us and visit us, Lord. We pray that the truth of these words would penetrate deep into our hearts, that we will believe them, and Lord, that we would live our lives upon them. I ask God you would hide me behind your cross. I pray that only your word would go forth. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So here's Paul, and he's writing to the Philippians. Now remember, 
Paul's their missionary. Paul is the one who came to Philippi and planted the church. This is like their founding pastor. This is the missionary that they're continuing to support. They love the Apostle Paul. And they've heard news that he's been arrested for the sake of Jesus Christ. Just imagine how that must have felt. Like this is their father in the faith. This is their spiritual guide and hero. This is the apostle that the Lord sent to them, the one that first brought them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is sitting in a prison in Rome. You think that that was a bit of a valley experience for them? You think that they were feeling a little low? What about Paul himself? I mean, think about Paul. He had this wonderful life in Judaism. He was rising up through the ranks. He was kind of gaining influence, and people were looking to him. And then he sees the truth of Christ. He meets Christ on that Damascus road, and he turns from his sins, and he believes that Jesus is the Messiah, and he spends the rest of his life preaching Christ and making him known. And what did it get him? Trial after trial, sorrow after sorrow, Pain after pain. But what does he do? He entrusts himself to God and he looks for God's perspective on his situation. You see, the first the first key to us responding well to trials and to difficulties is to remember that God is still in control. Right, to remember that God is still in control. Look at verse 12. He, he tells the Philippians, says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So here's Paul. He's sitting in prison. His friends are worried about him. And he writes to them and he has he sees this and says, This is the perfect chance for me to tell them that all this bad that's happening to me right now isn't happening for no reason, but it's actually something the Lord is using. God is using this for his plans and his purposes. Now, what would I have done? And what would you have done? If your friends wrote to you and you're in prison and they said, well, how are you doing, Brother Kyle? How are you hanging up? Oh, I'd tell them how bad the food was. I'd tell them, I'd tell them how uncomfortable the chains are. I'd tell, them, I'd tell them how mean the Roman guards are. Right? I, would, I would want them to know just how miserable I am. But what's Paul say? He says, all these hardships I faced... All these difficulties I face, God is using them to send the gospel forward. God is using them. Everything that has happened, all of these events, Paul recognizes that these bad things that are happening are actually furthering God's plan and that God can redeem even the worst circumstances for his own sake. And so he says, these things that have happened to me. And again, that's a short little sentence. But remember, as you think back through the book of Acts, I know you've been going through the book of Acts, everything that's happened to Paul. He's been beaten within an inch of his life. He's been stoned. He's been run out of this city, run out of that city. He has been thrown in prison. He's been treated unjustly. He has uh, had a riot come at him to take his life. He's been put in jail. He was not treated how he was supposed to be treated as a Roman citizen. He was then sent off to Rome. And what happened? There was a shipwreck. And then he stranded at the sea. And now he is sent finally in Rome. He's on house arrest. 
and he is can't doesn't have his freedom and he's waiting a trial that keeps getting delayed year after year. How many of you would get a little tired with God's timing at that point? And all of this is every one of these things that I've had to endure has actually advanced the message of Jesus Christ. That idea of, of advancing, it's the idea of blazing a trail. It's the idea of, 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 you know, you went through these mountains and you cut down trees and you rooted out stumps to make a, a trail that you could walk on or hike on. He's saying that all God is using these difficulties to do that, to cut down that timber, to make a way so that the message about Jesus could keep going to the ends of the earth. When Paul looked at his circumstances, he wasn't saying that God was doing something in spite of them, but he said it is through these circumstances that God is making a way for the gospel to go out and now make no mistake paul's not sitting here and thinking man i'm so lucky who would have thought that all of this stuff could have turned out like that that must be the best luck in the world but no what's paul say he's saying that even in the midst of this it's not luck it's not chance but god has been working god's hand has been on it the entire time Paul wasn't, he wasn't crazy. He knew that circumstances like that couldn't just work together by happenstance. He doesn't think that he's somehow just coming out on the best side of all these trials. He knew that there was a Lord in heaven who was watching over him and who was doing what was necessary, not only in Paul's life, but in the lives of others in ways that Paul could never see with just his physical eyes. Friends, only God can do that. Only God can work out the circumstances and difficulties of our life and turn them into something good. Only God can take these trials and these tribulations and make something beautiful come out of it. Only the Lord can do that. And this is important for us to understand because our temptation when things are going poorly, our temptation when things are difficult is to look around and think, Maybe God has just stepped away for a second. Maybe things are just a little too far gone for the Lord. Maybe our trials have taken him by surprise. And friends, that's exactly the lie that our enemy wants us to believe. He wants us to believe that things aren't in the Lord's hands. He wants you to believe that your situation is too far gone for God. But friends, it's a lie. It's a lie. We're tempted to think that God has lost control or gotten distracted, but the Lord is still reigning on his throne, and I need to be reminded of it, and you need to be reminded of it over and over again, that God is still on his throne, and that he is still working things out according to his plan, and that his plan is good even when we can't see that good. But the beauty here is that Paul says not just that God's in control, but the second thing, God is accomplishing more in our suffering than we could even imagine. So it's not just that God's in control, but it's his wisdom's actually far greater than what we understand. We get so short-sighted, don't we? I mean, listen. You, you, get a, you get a little sick. If you're like me, you get a little sick and you think it's just the end of the world. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get past this one. Yeah. Right? And we, we get so short-sighted. We think about our little difficulties and how they're affecting us. And we, don't, we, and we miss what God might be doing in the people around us, in our communities, 
all the way to the ends of the earth. I mean, as God works out his plan in your life, he is doing so according to his infinite wisdom. You ever have, when you have kids, or maybe you're just trying to shepherd a little one around, you ever notice how they often think that they know more than you? It's incredible. I, I, it's incredible how often I realize my kid thinks he knows more than me. Yeah. He's just five years old. How does he get to? How does he think he has this wisdom? Mm-hmm. And we'll do this. We'll, we'll take them hiking, and and you know we'll cut up one trail. I know there's another trail that if we go down, we'll cut off some time. Well, Daddy, is this the right way? Are you sure this is the right way? Yeah. This doesn't seem like the right way, Daddy. We didn't come this way last time, yeah. right? And all these questions. Why? They can't see the end result. And even if you tell them, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. They still don't get it, right? Yeah. And and sometimes they're worried. Sometimes they're scared because they, they just don't quite see the full picture. Amen. Well, friends, so often in our lives we're like that. We're, God has us on a particular path. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't see exactly what he's doing. We don't see that this might actually cut off a long hard loop of the trail we don't see that this is the best way to go because it's unfamiliar to us and we become like kids like god are you sure you know what you're doing but what paul's confidence is in is that god's wisdom is always greater than our wisdom that means get this that means that if you or i had full control over our lives and everybody around us we couldn't do as good of a good job as God. Right. We would mess it up. Mm-hmm. Now, we're tempted to think we can make life pretty good. Yeah. Could you imagine if you were driving down and you could just clear traffic out of your way? Yeah. I'd like that. Would y'all like that? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and we would probably try to make our life so that there was never any discomfort, right. never any pain, never any difficulties, never any trials. But you know what? God wouldn't be able to do what he needs to do in your heart Amen. and in my heart. Amen. Often it's through walking through the trials that God draws us closer to himself. Amen. Often it's in the midst of difficulty that God humbles us and we realize just how great he is and how small we are. Amen. How does Paul see this? We well, see this in verse 13 where he sees that the gospel spread where it could not have spread if Paul hadn't gone to prison. Look at verse 13. He says, So that it has become known through the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for the sake of Christ. Now Paul's on house arrest in Rome. And what this would have meant is he would have had a soldier who was chained to him in six-hour shifts. So Paul's in the house. But they would have a soldier that would come and they would take, you know, those shackles that are on Paul and they would put them on the soldier and he would stand there and that's how he would guard him for six hours. Now, Paul, he's not one to waste opportunity. He's got somebody chained to him for six hours. He's going to talk about the Lord. He's going to tell him about the Savior. He's going to tell him about the forgiveness of sins and eternal life that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he does. But here's the cool thing. How hard do you think it would have been for Paul if he just come to Rome and if he had rode in on a nice chariot and things had just been all peachy? If if he had come to Rome, how hard would it have been for him to get the gospel into Caesar's household? It would have been really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you has anybody ever been to Washington D.C.? 
You don't just walk up and talk to the president. As much as you might like to or not like to, depending on who's in office, you can't just go up and talk to the president. It it would be hard for you to go into the Supreme Court and have a chat with the justices. Right? You can't just go into Rome and start talking to the most influential people. But here's Paul, and the people who are guarding the most influential people... And indeed, if you look at Roman history, sometimes this this elite guard was uh, responsible for deposing and setting up new emperors. Like these weren't just soldiers. These were like, if you think, these were the ones that had uh, not only the ear of Caesar, but they had influence over him as well. And what are they hearing for six hours at a time? They're hearing the gospel. They're hearing the truth about the Lord. They're hearing eternal truths. And so Paul's thinking about his imprisonment, and he realizes, you know what? I would have loved to come to Rome, and I would have loved to have been able to preach the gospel to members of Caesar's own household, and I'm not sure how I would have done that. Look what God did. Look at the doors he opened. But to get there, God had to have Paul arrested and put under house arrest like that. Is that how Paul would have planned it? Nope. Is that how you or I would have planned it? Nope. But it's exactly what the Lord knew had to happen. And later in the scriptures, what do we see? Paul will write when he writes to the church of Romans, and he says, greet those who are in what? In Caesar's household. Believers are a result of Paul's imprisonment here. You see, Paul could have viewed this as a tragic end to his career. He's sidelined. He's not out there preaching the gospel on the streets. He's not out there traveling the world. He is put on a bench. But instead, he says, nope, I have a chance to lead these guards to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he saw that it spread where it couldn't have spread. But then in verse 14, he saw that it also had made others more bold. Look at verse 14. He said, most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. One preacher said, Paul's chains inspired the unchained. That is to say, they saw Paul imprisoned for the sake of Jesus Christ. They saw Paul with physical chains because he was trying to spread the gospel. And it made them want to go and preach the gospel. They heard that Paul was preaching the gospel even when he was imprisoned. And they thought, I'm not imprisoned. Why, Why couldn't I, too, preach the gospel? When the believers heard that Paul was using even his difficulties as an opportunity to preach Christ, then they were convicted and they were inspired and they were encouraged to go and preach Christ themselves. They were emboldened. Paul says here, too, he says that the most, most of the brothers, it means the majority of the brothers and sisters were emboldened to preach the gospel. So God did a work not just in Paul bringing the gospel into Caesar's household, but he used Paul's imprisonment to set revival on the church to where they wanted to get out there and preach God's word as well. The life of one man in chains transformed the life of an entire church. You know, this happens too. It's not hard to imagine how this happened. If you've ever heard a a missionary come and preach about about life and evangelism in a closed country, and you hear maybe about brothers in North Korea who 
have to get in little fishing boats and wait for foggy days and they'll they'll row out to the middle of a lake in the fog to where they can have church on a lake in the middle of the fog because they're afraid of their life or you hear about uh, Baptist missionaries who are in northern Africa and and they've got to watch in fear and everywhere they go because people are watching them to see if they're going to be preaching Christ and yet they remain faithful even when it hurts even when they're thrown in prison and you think oh my goodness I live in the United States the worst that's going to happen to me for telling somebody about the gospel is they might I don't know laugh at me and yet how often how often are we silent and quiet and so we hear about uh, the faithfulness of our brothers and sisters around the world and it and it it convicts us and it encourages us and it emboldens us that if if they can be faithful in such difficulty then surely i can be faithful here in tennessee or in kentucky or somewhere where it's pretty easy to share the gospel with others. And so God did this work, and that even though Paul is now in prison, he has a ton of other people. He's taken one preacher and set him on the sidelines for temporarily, and now he's got a whole church that's been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're going out and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul says that wouldn't have happened unless I was here in prison. And so... At first, it looked bleak. Here's the, here's the apostle and missionary sitting in jail. And then you start to look around and see all that God is doing in the midst of it. And you realize, oh, he's so much wiser than I am. Oh, he's doing so much more than I can ever know or see. You know, I like sometimes to think about the way God works. Here, sat and looked, maybe you just looked at your life and thought of every little thing that maybe was difficult at the time or seemed just like chance at the time. And like, how, how did that work? But God was working all those little things to, to put you right where he needed you. I like to tell this story uh, about my great-grandpa. He got real sick. He was just about 25, living in the Ozarks, was farming, got real sick. And his doctor said, you need to get to a drier climate for your health. And so he had a cousin out in Colorado on the plains. So he loaded up his family, sold everything he could, got on a train, went out to Colorado. He was there like five months and he died. And family was poor. They buried him. They got back on a train, went back to the Ozarks. They didn't have anything, you know, and and life was hard for my great grandma. And then for my granny after her, and they just were one of those families. They never seemed to be able to make it. My great-grandma married two other guys. They both died. My grandma ended up marrying somebody, turned out to be a you know horrible person. Like, it was just tragic. If you look at their story, it's tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And you look back at that like, why? Why, Lord? And yet you see that if those things wouldn't have happened, other things in their life wouldn't have happened that led to my parents actually not only meeting, but becoming the first ones in their family to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that gospel, especially on mom's side, going back out through, back up to my grandma and to siblings. And, and so you can see that how even in the midst of tragedies that were forcing families to move all the way across the country this way and then this way and, and to lose everything, how God was using those things to eventually lead people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And it would never happen, right? right? 
It's amazing. But when we're in the midst of it, we forget. We're in the midst of it, we forget. So Paul had a confidence that God was doing more in his suffering than he could even imagine. But finally, and maybe even most importantly, the way Paul was so confident was because Christ was being exalted even in his suffering. Look at verses 15 through 18. He said some, so he's talking about how people are more bold to preach the word, right? And without fear, he says some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. And the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Here's the thing. Paul's chief goal was the glory of God. More than anything else Paul wanted, he wanted to see the Lord Jesus Christ lifted up. He wanted that more than he wanted his own comfort. He wanted that more than he wanted to eat. I mean, that was his thing that drove him. He didn't need worldly success. He didn't need tons of friends standing next to him. He, I mean, he wanted the Lord Jesus Christ to be lifted up. And if Christ was lifted up, that's what mattered. Amen. To the point that here he is sitting in prison. And notice what he says. He admits, he says, you know what? Some of the people who are preaching Christ, they're just trying to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And we're not sure even what he means here. It could be he's saying that that they're looking at Paul and saying, well, if he was really preaching Jesus, if he was really serving Jesus, he wouldn't be in prison, right? And that we're out here preaching Jesus and we're not going to end up like him. It could be uh, that they just, they wanted to spite him. They want to say, you know what, Paul? We're going to preach, you know, and you don't get to. And they didn't like Paul. We're not sure. But we we know he's saying, you know, it, it bothers me a little bit that I'm not out there. But what did he say? Even if they're preaching like that, at least they're lifting up Jesus. At least they're preaching Jesus. He said, if if it's me out there preaching Jesus or if I'm stuck in here and they're out there preaching Jesus, whether they're preaching him with good motives, whether they've got bad motives, if they're actually preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I am going to rejoice. You see, for Paul... It's not that he's just some kind of ignorant optimist here, right? It's not that he's just thinking everything is fine, everybody's happy. But he says, you know what? As long as Christ is being lifted up, I'm going to rejoice. And and so so Paul, even from prison, he looks out, he's like, man, God is, Jesus is being lifted up in Caesar's household. Jesus is being lifted up outside. Even if God has to put me aside for a little bit, even if I have to go through a trial, even if I have to suffer, if God's going to use this to lift up the name of Christ, I'm going to rejoice in it. See, here's the thing. When the glory of God is your goal in life, when the lifting up of the name of Jesus Christ is your mission in life, You can fulfill that in any circumstance, can't you? You can give testimony to that in any circumstance. I was serving a church in Harlan County when I was at school. So we're we're talking, you know, a few years ago. Um, I was serving church in Harlan County. We had a lady in there. And I remember her husband had cancer and was going through all the treatments. And you could just see it wreck his body. And, And one day we got the good report. The doctor said he was cancer free. 
And she stood up and she gave testimony about the goodness of God and, and how great the Lord was and how thankful she was to the Lord and, and all glory be to God. A couple months later, they realized they'd missed something. It was back and it was back with a vengeance. There was no treating it this time. He had just a few weeks to live. They were sharing that announcement with the church, and she stood up, and she gave glory to God. She said that the Lord's in control. And if if this is what needs to happen for him to receive the glory, so be it. And when he passed, she glorified God. Why? She knew her husband was with the Lord. She knew she was going to see him again one day. And, and she knew that she had an opportunity now to minister to people who had gone through similar circumstances. And so notice this. What was her goal and mission in life? It was to exalt the goodness and glory of the Lord. And it didn't matter if that meant praising him when her husband was getting better, praising him when she realized he was going to pass, or praising him after she was able to bring glory to God despite her circumstances. Here's the thing. If your goal is to lift up Christ, it doesn't matter if you're thrown in prison. You can lift up the name of Christ. It doesn't matter if life is going well. You can give glory and praise to God. It doesn't matter if you are in the deepest pit you can imagine. You can say it's only by God's grace that I'm making it. It's only the Lord's strength that is sustaining me. And you can turn people's attention and focus back to the one who is giving you the grace. Friends, we have to trust the Lord and that he knows what he's doing. You know, like I said, we don't always see it, do we? We get little glimpses of it, but we don't fully grasp everything that he's doing. But for Paul, he realized that no matter what my difficulty, I know that God is on his throne. I know that God is far wiser than I am. And my chief desire is that he gets the glory. And so whatever he brings my way, Whatever happens, whatever difficulty or trial I am in, I can honor and glorify and praise him. Looking for God's perspective. Now, you might be here and you might be thinking, how do you know that, though? How can you trust him like that? How can you say that 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 is is a good thing? Well, it's because of this. It's because he did not spare his own son. How do we know that that God's uh, intentions toward us are good? How do we know that his promises are yes and amen? How do we know that we can trust him in the deepest valley and that we can lean on him and know that he is good and wise and in control? Because he did not spare his own son. He sent Jesus Christ for sinners like you and me. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? A plan that would have seemed so crazy that here's the Messiah and he's going to die. But what was God doing? In the midst of that death, he was paying for your sins and my sins. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Right? And that three days later, Jesus was going to be raised from the dead in power and in glory. And that he has ascended to the hand of the Father, the right hand of the Father. And that he has... What's he doing there? He's making intercession for us. And he's going to come one day again for his people. He's going to come to judge both the quick 
and the dead. And, and in, this, in the midst of that plan, we see God's goodness and his love and his care and his provision. And if the, he who would not spare his own son, how will he not what? Also with him graciously give us all things. We know the heart of God because we've seen it in the giving of his son. We, we can trust and depend on the Lord because we've seen the beauty of the gospel. We can walk in faith in the midst of life's trials because we know that he is with us and he'll never leave us or forsake us. That's how we're so confident. I'm astonished at the way God works. But in the midst of trials and tribulations, friends, remember, God is in control. God is far wiser than you or me. And this is all tending to his glory. And that's where it's all going to end. Would you pray with me? Father God, we pray that we would believe these things, Lord. We pray, God, that we would know these things, that we would trust in you in these things. Lord, I pray for those who are walking through trials and difficulties even right now. Pray, God, that you would sustain us with this hope. Pray, God, you would lift us up in spirit. We pray, Lord, that in all things we would seek to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for his death on the cross. We thank you for his resurrection. I pray, Lord, that if there's one here that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would turn from their sins and they would put their trust and faith in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We are thankful for the word this morning. Amen.